All right, I'm glad you guys made it today. Get your Bibles out because we're going to get we're going to use them today, or your phones, or whatever you use. Uh, this could be a train wreck of a service. Just letting you know. Um, but if you're willing to jump on the train, I'm willing to crash it. So <laughs> we're going to just do it a little bit different. So it's going to be. Let's just see how it goes. Uh, I'm going to pray. So we can get started. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence that we've already felt in this place. And, and we thank you so much that we are reminded of your grace and the cross as we sang this morning. And, and your mercy for us, your grace towards us. That even while we were still sinners, that you died for us. That you gave your life so that we might be able to walk free and walk in freedom. And so today we, we just want to thank you and just let this, this whole service be about that today. And so uh, as we do that, Lord, we, we know that we'll be changed. But, but more importantly, we want to just offer thanks today in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in our series called Break the Mold. And when we left the story last week, we were talking about Jacob and Esau. And uh, last week, Jacob got Esau's birthright, he got Esau's blessing, and as a result of that, Esau wasn't too happy, and so he's now wanting to kill Jacob as we follow the story. And how many of you guys would be a little bit anxious if your brother, who's a skilled hunter, is trying to kill you? Would that cause a little bit of anxiousness in you? That's Jacob's situation, and so he takes off. And he's, he's fearful, and he's really kind of running away, trying to get a brand new start. And so you may not have that exact situation happening today, um, which would be really weird if you had that exact situation happening today. I'd feel really led by the Spirit if somebody here today had that exact situation. I'd feel like I picked the exact passage. But, but we do have a lot of reasons to be anxious, or a lot of, I should say, opportunities to be anxious. How many of you guys have had opportunities even this past week to be anxious, right? We, we have them all the time. We've got holidays that we're going through, and many of us just went through having family in town. Maybe your cousin Eddie was in town, and maybe your cousin Eddie still is in town, uh, working on his RV right now, probably, for some of you guys who are getting where I'm going with that. But but we have a lot of opportunities to be anxious. Maybe uh, money's tight as you're heading into the Christmas season. Maybe your time is tight as you look at your calendar, uh, up what's coming up, and you're feeling a little bit anxious about that. Maybe there's a missing seed at the table this year. I, I don't know your situation. I just know we have a lot of opportunities to walk in anxiousness, and social media gives us all those opportunities. How many of you guys know it seems like every week there's something that the media or social media is trying to get us up all in arms about, right? And so I've taken the, the platform now to just wait a week or two and see if everybody's still mad about it before I get any emotions involved in it. And usually it never happens, and so I'm waiting to see what they're telling us to be mad about this week before I jump on anything. But there's the news media makes an opportunity, they, they make a living off of anxiousness, right? And so sometimes we can just get caught up in that whole spiral of being anxious and fearful and, and walking in that. And so Jacob was in that. He was, he was caught in that. And as he's running away from all of this, something very interesting happens in his story. He stops at a place to sleep for the night and he grabs a rock and uses a rock for a pillow. Now, how many of you guys have ever been camping? This isn't glamping, okay? He's taking a rock and using it as a pillow. He goes to sleep. And as he goes to sleep, he dreams, but it's more of a vision than a dream. And what he sees is he sees a ladder that's touching the ground right where he's at, but it stretches all the way up into heaven. And angels are ascending and descending on this ladder. 
And he's kind of caught up in this moment, like this encounter with God. And, and he, he wakes up, we see it in Genesis chapter 28, verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. How do you guys know that, that there are opportunities in our life, there are strategic times in our life where we have to encounter God? It's not that God isn't present all the time, but it's that there are certain moments, there are certain gates, certain times in our life where if we just open the gate, if we would recognize what God is doing, he could do something amazing in our life. This is one of those for Jacob. And so it says, this is none other than the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he'd put under his head and he set it up for a pillar and he poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go, I will give him and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I will come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And I, uh, and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So Jacob has this encounter with God. He encounters the presence of God. He's like, man, God was in this place. I didn't even know it. And as a result of that, he does two things. One, he gives an offering of thanks. You can see that. He says, of everything that I have, I will give you a tenth for the rest of my life. And then it, he sets up an altar of remembrance. He takes the rock and he pours oil on it and he makes an altar of remembrance of, of that moment so that anytime he would pass by that place, he would remember the encounter with God that he had in that place. And so this is what I want us to do today. I want us to do two things. I want us to give an offering of thanks. And I'm not talking about just like writing a check, although we're not going to turn that down because we want to reach more people for Jesus. But I'm talking about we're going to do something different. We're going to give an offering of thanks and then set up an altar of remembrance. And so we're going to hopefully do that uh, today in, in, in a unique way. And one of the ways we're going to have you do that is uh, we've got, you can see here from last night, we have these, these cards up here. And I kind of borrowed this idea from Tom when, when he preached a few weeks ago when he had you come and write a lie and leave it at the altar to leave it there permanently. And, and as I was preparing this message, I could just see us writing thanks to God, things that we are thankful for, things that, that God had blessed us with in our life and, and really putting it on the altar as, as, an, as a gift to God. You know, so many times we come to church and we're expecting to receive something from God and we do that. And even, even when we worship, I think sometimes we can make the worship about us and about filling us up. And sure enough, God meets us where we are and his presence fills us and we, we come away strengthened. But today what I want us to do is I want us to give a gift of thanks to God. I want us to come to the altar and to leave a, a gift of thanks to God and to actually be the offering to God. There, there's, and so I'm going to have you do that in just a little bit. We're going to have the ushers come in just a moment. I'll, I'll direct them to come in just a moment and pass these out. And then we're, we're going to have a song play. And during that time, we're just going to have a time with God where we just offer up thanks. We'll begin to write things down and we're going to hold on to that card to the end of the service because God may give you more things throughout the service to write down. And then we'll come at the end of the service and we'll, we'll just give it as an offering to God. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20 says this. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Listen to this. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
giving thanks to God with our heart. A lot of times when we think about giving thanks to God, we think about with our mouth. But this is talking about with our heart. How many of you guys have ever had a song get stuck in your head before? Anybody ever have one of those? I could use this opportunity right now to plant one in your mind, but I'm not going to do that because I love you guys. I'm not going to do that today. But, but this isn't talking about having a song stuck in your head. Do you realize that you can have a song, a melody that's stuck in your heart? See, what he's talking about here is what is the inner melody of your heart? Is the inner melody, the song that's on repeat in your heart, is it anxiousness today? If you are going throughout life, do you find out that, yeah, you can put a good face on outside, you can hold everything together, but what's on the inside? What's the inner melody of your heart? Even if you have it all together, and even if you have all the things written down you need to do, and you've got a plan for everything, and you look like you've got it all going on, if on the inside of your heart that melody is anxiousness, and worry, and despair, and fear, it's eventually going to come out in your life somewhere. It may not come out publicly, but it may come out in just in your private worry, your private life, your thought life. It may come out in your marriage. It may come out with your relationship with your kids. And so what is the inner melody of your heart? Because we all have an inner melody of our heart. Is, is it anxiousness? Is it thanksgiving? And so what I want to do today is I want to just give us space to change the station in our heart. I want us to change the station in our heart. You, you say, Sean, is it that easy? I'm saying we can do that right now. We can give space right now for, for this peace to come into us. Even if it's just for the moment, by faith, we allow God to come and to add peace into our heart. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a song play and we're going to worship to that. Ushers at this time, if you guys would come and pass these out, listen very carefully. During this song, you're going to write down some things and hang on to that for the end of the service. But I'm going to go a step further. Some of you guys may feel compelled to share something. You may have a testimony, a story of the goodness of God. You may have a thanks to give to God. And I'm going to give you an opportunity right now, after this song, in this service, to share that publicly. We're going to look for three, four, or five people to share publicly. Try to keep it under a minute because we've got a time constraint. But Joseph will be right over here on this corner. So during this song, if you feel like that's me, maybe the Holy Spirit's prompting you to say something. Here's what I want you to know. You may be fearful to get up and, and to say that. You may be uncomfortable doing that. But if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do that, you never know if what you say is going to touch somebody because I believe that God knows what he's doing. How many of you guys know God knows what he's doing? He put you here in this place. Holy Spirit nudges you to say something because there's somebody else in this room who needs to be encouraged by what you're about ready to say. And so if during this song you feel like, man, I'm supposed to share something, it may seem very simple. It may not seem like a big deal to you, but I know that God has put us together as the body of Christ to speak to one another. And so we're going to let that happen today. And Joseph's going to have to pick three or four or five. And, and so don't be discouraged if you don't get picked. But, but I encourage you to move on that. One scripture before we do that. We read this last week. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 through 15. But thanks be to God, who in Christ leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. And then listen to this. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. 
So when we write these thanksgivings to God, do you realize what's happening? In one sense, we're, co- we're gonna come to the altar at the end of the service and it will be like a sweet smelling aroma rising up to the throne of God. Think about, think about how incredible this is. The creator of all the world, the ancient of days, the one who's always existed is somehow blessed when we come and we give an offering of thanks. To him, it's just a sweet smelling aroma. And instead of just demanding that we always get, 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 today we have the opportunity to be a blessing to God. So I'm gonna pray and then give you an opportunity to do that. If you feel led to to share, come talk to Joseph during that song. Lord, we thank you so much. We really do thank you today. That no matter what we're going through, we know that you're gonna bring us through. No matter where we've been, you've brought us at least to where we are. And Lord, you've been faithful. And so today we thank you for your faithfulness, that your promises are true. We thank you that no matter what's happening in our life, that we can always come back to the strong tower, to your name. We can always come back to you. And so, Lord, we do that today. We want to offer our thanks. We want to be the gift today. We want to be the offering today. We want to let let the aroma of, uh, of our thanks rise to your throne today and to bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you just to prepare your heart. Because over the next just couple minutes, there could be something spoken that God knew was going to be spoken in this place. And we just open up our hearts to receive. So, Joseph. We get a privilege to listen to what God's done in these men's lives. And I just want to read a scripture. Revelation 12, verse 11 says, They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. And so it's by the blood of Jesus that we overcome and by speaking out what he's done for us. And so we get to listen to these guys. They're going to share quick and about what God's done for them. So uh, for many, many years, I was broken and lost and, and felt empty. So I filled that void with drugs and alcohol. I thought that was the answer thought I depended on that but I was wrong what I should depend on is Jesus and the Holy Spirit filled those voids and through that I overcame that dependency of drugs and alcohol through the Lord and I just thank I'm thankful for that because without Jesus and without this place who knows where we'd still be so thank you So I'd say two years ago, a little over two years ago, my dad was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And then a year ago, he died of brain cancer. And I feel like the world would expect that I'd fall into a deep depression. And I did for a while, extremely broken. And I wanted to be away from God, feeling like it wasn't like like nothing was okay. But I overcame that and be, like fell into an intense season of rest. And resting in the fact that God's promises were there for me the entire time. And that despite whatever the world had made of the situation and what had happened to my father and the relationship that I built with him, that God was there for me and that it didn't change at all who God was, what had happened to my life. And 
then a few months after that, going to uh, Summit Youth Camp last year, um, being filled with the Holy Spirit and really experiencing the fact that God is there through everything and that you don't understand it in that moment, but God loves you the entire time and God has never changed throughout any of that. So I just wanted to talk to you real quick and share a testimony. My parents are right there, Terry and Terry. Can you guys raise your hand? And my nephew, Nico. So I was addicted to heroin and alcohol for the past 18 years, and I knew the truth, and I was running anyway. I was in Las Vegas. My parents have prayed, I mean, off and on for 18 years. My nephews prayed almost every day for five years. And I came out here to go to Hope City which is an inner city missions that helps people that are on drugs and alcohol or involved in crime. And I was supernaturally set free from not only addiction, but all the pain in my body from being ADHD. I even had high blood pressure to the point I almost died, had a stroke and everything is gone in my body. I've been set free. And the reason I wanted to get up here is not to share my testimony. I know everyone in here has children, friends, relatives, brothers, and sisters that aren't saved. And it's really hard to pray for them and not see results. And I just want you to know that God has them. God will take care of your children, your brothers, your sisters, and they will come to the Lord in the time that the Lord has for them. So I just wanted to encourage you all that I'm walking living proof that your prayers will be answered. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I got to follow those three. Okay. Well, I guess my, my story kind of falls in line with him. My, I'm Kenny. Um, I got a beautiful wife and four kids running around here somewhere. Um, I was one of those lost um, prodigal sons. And when I was a, a youth, probably about 15, I got into crime, uh, committed a, a, a crime in Kansas. It ended up me going to prison uh, for 20 years to a possible life. And four years after that, God um, miraculously got my case overturned, and um, I ended up getting a plea bargain. So I ended up doing like nine years in prison from the age of 15 to 25 and had issues with drugs, alcohol, all kinds of stuff after that. But God set me free. I found my wife. I have a beautiful family, so God can resurrect everything. So. Three years ago, December of 2015, I almost lost everything. My family, my life, my career, all of it. I almost threw it away by my own hand, but for my thankful heart for a praying wife. And I have a band of brothers over there that she specifically prayed would come into my life. I didn't know them yet. And every time I'm with them, that prayer is answered. Every text, every phone call, every hug, Every time we're together, that prayer is answered. God is faithful. So I could go on for a while, but I'm very thankful for my mother-in-law, who at the age of 15 chose life and uh, changed my life forever because she gave me the greatest gift I could ever have besides salvation. And her and my life not only gave me four beautiful children, but it just changed everything. So any girl out there who's going down that road, choose life. Because life alters not only your life, but so many lives down the road. God can use your story to touch so many different people. So I'm very thankful for that. 
I prayed and talked with my dad so many times over the years, and he never accepted Christ. And honestly, I had just about given up. And um, a few months ago, I had an opportunity one more time. God spoke to me and said, do it again. I didn't want to. Um, but I did. And the next morning, Ken prayed with him to receive Christ. He is 99. And two weeks later, he was put on hospice. And so we are having the wonderful opportunity to share Christ together and to read devotions. Amen. Man, he's faithful. 99 and just accepted Christ. And we're going to see him in heaven. Amen. Uh, for the last couple of months, I've been having a lot of medical issues, um, a lot of tests that they're running. Um, Sarah has prayed with me, and some of you have seen it on Facebook. One of the tests they ran a few weeks ago is called a biopsy. That word itself is awfully scary. Took them two weeks to get back to me, but the biopsy is negative. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Um, Black Friday means something different to my family. Four years ago yesterday, our son Michael was diagnosed with brain cancer. Um, a week ago today, he passed away a year ago. It was the anniversary. And a man in his church, he knows if he's here, he knows who he is. He helped me through this week. I'm very thankful for him, thankful for this church. Um, everything was thrown at me from Saturday last week. I had a great day. It was a difficult day. And Laura and Venice were in Italy. Um, Michael's wishes were his ashes would be spread there, and God provided that for them. Uh, this week, the enemy was throwing things. That was, it was almost comical how many things were in front of me, and a man in this church took time uh, the night before Thanksgiving to spend with me and talk me through, and uh, not only is he faithful, I know that Jesus is, and I just thank the family here that's provided support for my daughter-in-law and Venice. I know it may sound strange or contradicting in a sense, but like something that I've been realizing that I need to be thankful for is like be thankful for the trials that you're going through. It may sound weird, but like we need to be thankful for the trials that we're going through. We also need to be thankful that God pulls us through the trials. He doesn't just leave us in the trial. God pulls us through the trials and he, we learn from the trials and just, just be thankful for what God don't take everything that going wrong inside of your life and take it to this is bad but take it as something that you can learn from and just be thankful for it um, I feel like God said share I am so thankful for the filling of the Holy Spirit so we have his power you know with without him we have nothing but with him we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So thank you, God, for these testimonies. Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. So no matter what you're going through, he's got you. Praise Jesus for those testimonies. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's give Jesus a hand one more time. None of that is planned. That's all just right in the moment. See, God knows exactly what he's doing. I, as I was preparing for this service this week, I, I felt I showed this uh, testimony on Easter Sunday, I believe, of this past year, and I really kept getting this sense that I needed to play it again for somebody in this room, and it just really goes right along with these stories. So let's roll this testimony. 
I was raised up a small town up here in Northwest Missouri, and wasn't a lot for us to do as kids in a town of 380 people. And we uh, watched cars for us and see how many kids we could get in the phone booth and stuff like that. And as I started getting a little older, I raised up with some guys that were pretty good in sports. I loved to play, but wasn't that good. And so I was always kind of left out. By the time I was 13, I started finding some that I could do a little better than they could do, and that was drinking. And I started drinking quite a bit of beer, you know, a few nights a week, and that continued on through junior high and high school, and I got rather good at it, and, and I'd drink everybody on the table, and everybody bragged on me, and I thought it's the wrong thing to be proud about, but that was my identity at the time. And uh, started getting myself in trouble. I graduated from high school, started spending time in the local jails. Friends of mine told me I could mellow out if I get on drugs, so I started smoking pot at 18. Started doing every drug that comes through town for four years. Um, got myself in a lot of trouble, high probations in a year and a half, and uh, they finally classified me as an habitual criminal. One more misdemeanor, I was going to go to prison. I had a good lawyer, kept talking back down to misdemeanors, and they said, one more, that's it. I was a frequent flyer in the local jails, and they got tired of me. My mind was getting destroyed through LSD and all the stuff that we did, and so I started looking for help. Started running. Friends of mine and I went to Utah working in the oil fields and lived in a place called uh, Hippie Haven in Duchesne, Utah, an old condemned motel, 17. They called us long hairs living out there working in the oil fields, and life just continued to get worse and worse. And uh, all of a sudden, I started getting this sense that there's something more out there than I knew about. I get this voice, there's something more out there than you know about. And I got my curiosity up. I started hitchhiking around a lot, and people would pick me up. They'd been on drugs like I had been, I still was, and they'd gotten saved. The lives had changed, and you could tell they had something. But I wasn't quite getting it yet. And the Bible says that no man comes to God unless he draws him in. Moved from Utah down to Texas, started working the oil fields down there. We started brewing up some homemade drugs, some 50-50 chance coming back. And God dealt with me. Uh, I know now it was the Lord speaking to me that I was born in Missouri for a reason. He wanted me to come back up here and find out what that was. So I left in the middle of our brew and come back to Missouri. My old GTO shut down. And, and there was a revival going on north of Cameron. And it uh, lasted for two and a half months, every night. Some of my friends were going out there, they were getting saved, their lives were getting changed. And I didn't understand it, but I knew I needed something. So I walked nine miles one night and got out there just as the preacher was closing. He said, a man could personally know Jesus Christ. He could come into your life. You could know him and he could change you from the inside out. Never had heard that. Heard that. I was almost 22 years old. And uh, they encouraged me to come down and I prayed and asked Jesus in my heart didn't sense anything or feel anything or, you know, I was really confused and went home to a friend's mine house that night and laid on the couch and all of a sudden I just felt the presence and the peace of God come all over me from the head to the tip of my toes. I just felt tingly, you know, the only way I can describe it is clean as a bar of soap. Somehow, even though my head wasn't getting it, God was letting me know that I'd made things right within that night. You know, got up the next morning, I could just tell there was something different inside of me. Uh, Still looked as handsome as I always did, of course. And, uh, but yet, I knew something was different. My mind was still messed up. But uh, I started going to church. I lived in a house that was nine guys and two gals living together. And it was just a constant party house. But several of us would go to church and come home and smoke pot and read the Bible and try to understand what it was all about. And God first started dealing with me about my language. 
You know, I had a terrible mouth. I was still doing drugs and drinking and watching the women, but yet I just quit cussing. You know, God just took it away from me. And uh, little by little, he started changing me from the inside out. You know, the uh, Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man's in Christ, he's a brand new person, brand new creation. And that's what happened to me. I, inside, I became something brand new. You know, I started on drugs for three months. And uh, on my birthday, you know, I got all blown away. And I went outside. And, you know, I said, God, if you're really real, which I believe you are, I'm going to take this stuff out of my system. You know, I'm scared to death. I thought I was losing my mind. As soon as I said that, I was just completely straight. Like I'd done nothing that day. God's mercy and grace override all that stuff. You know, since that time, he dealt with me to get out of that party house and start cleaning my life up. I started, uh, you know, I, I quit drugs, I quit drinking, I quit smoking cigarettes. I'd done all that stuff, I started quitting, but I started taking on stuff. Started reading the Bible, started praying. I started hanging out with people that, that believed in following Jesus. And little by little, my life just started changing, started turning around. You know, he was building something brand new in me. You know, the resurrection power of Christ was just coming alive in me. You know, he led me to my wife. You know, she was totally different than what my background was. We got married, been married for 43 and a half years, blessed family and grandkids, everybody serving God. You know, I just thank God that he came in my life. Took some old burnout hippie that was homeless living on park benches and backseats old cars and trucks. Turned my life around. That's my story. Amen. And for those of you guys who don't know, that's my dad. And that's where I get it from, <laughs> if you haven't noticed. But that's my dad. And, and, and so uh, I'm just so thankful for what the power of Jesus can do in somebody's life. Amen. And so as, as we follow this story and kind of, kind of wrap up today, you know, Jacob gave him an offering of thanks. We're getting ready to do that in just a moment. But he also set up this altar of remembrance. And, and so many times when we think about remembering things, the things that we remember are the wrong things. We remember our sin. We remember our regret. We remember our failure. We remember the trouble that we have. We remember our situations. When, when Scripture talks about remembering, it, it's not about those things. You know, we have a short-term memory and a long-term memory. They say you can only remember about seven things in your short-term memory because the part of your brain that holds your short-term memory is only designed to hold it for about 10 to 15 minutes. And it takes something more significant or something we choose to, to shift into our long-term memory for it to go there. And so many of us have shifted our sin or our failure, our regrets, something we should have forgotten about, something we should have given to God, and we've placed it in a long-term memory. And some of you guys are struggling with that today. Uh, there's this principle in Scripture, though. Now, I want to give you some good news. The principle in Scripture is the more aware you are of who God is, the less aware you are of what you've done. Let me say that again. The more aware you are of who God is, the less aware you are of what you've done. Luke chapter 7, verse 41. Then Jesus told them this story. A man loaned two people, 500 pieces of silver, loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. 
You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. And so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Now, the summary of that is this. If you've been forgiven much, you love much. And so many of us who are struggling and plagued with this this sense of sin or failure, listen, if you are in Christ, your sins have been forgiven, no matter how weighty they feel. And when you understand who God is and the power of Jesus and the forgiveness that's in Christ, what it will produce in you is much love for God. And so the more aware you are of who God is, the less aware you are of what you've done. And and this also applies to our relationships with other people. You see, the more aware we are of who God is and of who God's grace is to us, then whenever someone sins against us, that sin will seem so small in the light of such a big God. And so many of us are struggling with that right now. We're dealing with other people. We're dealing with situations in our life. And I just want to encourage us that we need a short-term memory and a long-term memory. We just have to get them in the right places and get the things in the right slots. And I've said this before, but I want to say it again. If you have a short-term memory for the goodness of God, you'll have a long-term memory of sin and the sins that other people commit against you. But if you have a long-term memory of the goodness of God and how the grace of God is so good, then you'll have a short-term memory of sin in your life, of failure in your life, and those that sin against you. And so I want to encourage you guys to remember today, but to remember the right things. We're getting ready to receive communion, and, and Jesus said, when you do this, remember something. And it's not remembering our sins. It's remembering the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Amen? So today we're going to, as we receive this juice, which represents the blood of Jesus that was spilled on the cross, that blood that wipes away all of our sin. So we receive the cracker that represents the body that was broken for us. We're going to remember. We're not going to remember our sin. We're not going to remember the wrong things in our life or the wrong that's been done against us. What we're going to remember is the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And today as we do that, we're going to come and receive these elements and take them back to our seat. And just sometime during this next song, receive communion right there by yourself or with your family. But as you come, and some of you guys who go to the back tables, you're going to have to make your way back forward. But as you come, I want you to leave that gift of thanksgiving here on the altar. And it's just simply an act of saying, God, here's my gift of thanks. I want to be, as it says in 2 Corinthians, let me read it again. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God. We're going to be like a sweet smelling aroma going up to God this morning. We're going to remember some things. Psalm chapter 103 verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. And today we want to be the gift. Today we want to offer our gift Today we want to be a sweet-smelling aroma of thanksgiving to you. Today we're so thankful that we've heard these stories of life transformation. And Lord, we just want to honor you with that. We want to honor you with our thanksgiving today.
And Lord, we want to remember what you've done on the cross, that you died on the cross, you took our place, and while we were still sinners, that you died for us, you rose from the dead to give us eternal life. And today we are so thankful that everyone that is in Christ is a brand new creation, that the old is past and the new has come. And today, that's what we remember. In Jesus' name, amen. So come get the elements of communion and also leave your offering of thanks.